Our video and productions team is second to none, are they not? Yeah. Unbelievable. Hey, thanks for being here. Um, I am really, really glad you're here on uh, this Sunday, this last Sunday for me anyway, for a while. And uh, I would be uh, remiss if I didn't tell you that I am a ball of emotion, uh, getting ready to step out of, of ministry for three months. Um, you might know this about me. I, I, I'm not that good at that kind of stuff. Just disconnecting and not doing ministry for three uh, months, but um, I am ready for it, and I just want to say thank you again from the bottom of my heart on behalf of my family as well. I want to thank the personnel team, and I want to thank all of you. So many of you have come out of the woodwork and just really encouraged me in this summer, and I really, really appreciate that. Hey, I want to welcome all the campuses. Would you help me welcome them today? Kenya Campus, Columbia, Sanford, Durham, Coffee House, Hillsboro, North Raleigh, Garner, Internet Streaming Campus. And today, um, I am uh, getting ready to share with you a big announcement. Our next campus that we are launching in October of this year is North Durham. Yeah. North Durham. <laughs> North Durham. In case maybe you're not sure exactly where you are, you are in South Durham right now. <laughs> and North Durham is way on the other side, cross 85, that area over there, Northgate Mall area, all of that. And we are launching that in October. And uh, I am here to let you know that if you live anywhere near there, and we know we have a lot of families that live over there, you are welcome to go launch that campus. Sometimes people aren't sure, well, can I go? Go! We go, we go, we release you. We're, we're trying very strategically to decentralize the movement, right? We have to just for space purposes and what God wants to do. And so we release you in the truest sense of the word. Uh, here's a picture of the campus pastor family, uh, Jeremy and Sabrina and their beautiful kids. And uh, they will be in the rotunda after the worship celebration today near the life groups area if you are interested in connecting with them. Hey, um, give it up for the people getting baptized today. Give it up for the people. You ever thought about the color of water? One of the best books I ever read when I was in cemetery. I mean seminary. <laughs> no, he didn't. Um, one of the best books I've read was a book called The Color Water. And uh, something about the color of water and the whole, the whole point of the book was to start to look at God uh, through the color of water. Think about how God saved uh, ancient Israel through Noah and the ark. And you think about how God instituted sacrament of baptism. Just a powerful image. And I just want to say to you today, I know a lot of you came today knowing that you were going to get baptized. But I believe some of you are here today. You came, you didn't even know it, but the Holy Spirit of God is going to prick your heart today. And you are going to plunge into the waters of baptism. You are going to go into the water, the old person, and you are going to come out, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, a new creation. Come on, committed to the things of God. Well, we've had a good couple of weeks. We've been at this three weeks now. 
And I'm going to wrap the series up today. We had uh, Bill Hybels and T.D. Jakes in the house, not literally, but in the house. Remember on the video? A powerful, powerful clip. And then last week, we had Gracie Johnson Lopez, who I happen to see in the house today. And she did a great job with me last Sunday. And so we've had two uh, two good Sundays, but if it's okay with you today, I'm not going to have anybody up on the stage with me. I just feel like preaching. Is that okay with you? I just, I just want to preach. I just want to preach. So um, let's pray. And you grab your Bibles or your Fibles, whatever the case may be. Grab your teaching notes. And let's go wrap up this series today. Pray with me, please. Father, would you... Uh, would you minister and speak to us today? Would you take our minds and think through them? Take our hearts and fill with them. Lord Jesus, take my lips and speak through them today. For if you do not speak, then absolutely nothing of any significance will have been spoken. And the people of God said together, amen. amen. Hey, I want you to think back in your minds to the year 1990. I know that seems like a long time ago, but when you really think about it, it wasn't that long ago. In 1990... Saddam Hussein invaded the little nation of Kuwait. Do you remember that? If you don't remember that, that tells us you are really young, and we're going to educate you on some American history here today. He invaded this little nation of Kuwait in Saudi Arabia. Knowing it would be next on Saddam's hit list, Washington was called and asked for help. Now, regardless of your political preference or affiliation, if you think back to that time and you were old enough to remember it, you got to admit that President Bush was at his very best during this particular war. President Bush picked up the phone and he called England. He called Canada. He called Spain. He called France. He called Turkey and a number of other countries. And they formed, you might recall, the famous coalition. Men and women from different backgrounds and races and classes and cultures and personalities, they all gathered in the Gulf. Do you remember? The images are probably indelibly seared into your mind. They gathered in the Gulf with one singular focus. They were going to draw a line in the sand, if you will, and they were going to tell Saddam Hussein, they were going to put him on notice, the territory you have taken was not your territory, and you will not take any more territory, and moreover, you have to give back that which you have already taken. And as we've looked at this series, this theme of race through the lens of grace for three weeks now. You should be keenly aware of the fact that there is another madman living on planet Earth. He is called the devil. He does not roam around in a little red suit with horns and a pitchfork. But nonetheless, he is alive on planet Earth, the Bible says that he prowls around looking to kill, steal, and destroy. 
And one of the primary ways in which Satan has been up to this destructive work for all of these years since the beginning of humanity is by creating hostility, hatred, violence, and anger between the races. He has brought this on from the beginning. But on my last Sunday, I stopped by to let you know that God has built a coalition. And the coalition is called the church. And if I hope anything, I'm going to preach, sister. And, and, <laughs> and if I hope anything, I hope you've started to get a sense and a feel, and here's a better word, a vision for the fact that the church is God's solution to the problems in the world. We have way too downsized the church. You say, where do you get that from? Ephesians 3. 10 and 12, will you read it out loud with me together? Ephesians 3, 10 and 12, ready, go. His, his what? It's key, God's intent was that when? Now. now. Everybody say now. now. Let's go. Through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and the authorities. Where? Oh, you sound great. Come on, balcony. Here we go. According to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's continue. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom. and with freedom. Everybody say freedom. freedom. I'm thinking of Braveheart right about now. Come on. If you haven't seen Braveheart, you need to rent Braveheart. Everybody say confidence. confidence. The Bible makes it very clear that, and I drew this out in a timeline fashion, that all of history culminated in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ on the cross. That death and resurrection gave birth to a new entity, a new organism called the church. And through the church, one of the ways in which God has been declaring to the world, I can bring all ethnicities together is through the church of Jesus Christ. And that church being coming known, if you will, as new hope, has put a stake in the ground. We, we, we've put our own line in the sand, if you will. We have said to Satan, get thee behind us. You have no place here. Though you've taken some territory in some churches, racism will not exist on our watch. We will live together, black man, white man, brown man, and every other shade. Get thee behind us. This is holy ground on which we are standing, but make no mistake about it, we're in a war. We're in a war. And the reason I had us do that song right before the message about the angel armies is you can go to Joshua chapter 5, and in Joshua chapter 5, Joshua's got this encounter going on, and this captain of the Lord's army, and Joshua's like, hey, dude, are you on our side? Because if you're on our side, we're going to win, but you're a big old dude. If you're on their side, we're going to lose. And the captain of the Lord's army or some translations say the angel of the Lord's army, 
said, bro, you got it all wrong. I'm not on a side. I didn't come to take sides. I came to take over. I, I came to take over the world and through the church of Jesus Christ declare for all that this harmony, this love, this peace is possible. Now back in 1990, stick with me here for a moment. Our soldiers showed up with new high-tech weaponry. When Saddam Hussein looked across the desert, he saw 500,000 men and women coming at him. And you know he must have thought, oh, my Lord, what is plan B? <laughs> and I just got to tell you, I don't, you know, he, he was an evil man. But somewhere along the lines, you got to say, you know, I bet his mama didn't raise an idiot. And he's thinking, what is plan B? What am I going to do? And do you remember what his plan B was? He started to launch these scud attacks. Remember those? The scud attacks. And he concluded that he was going to try and split the coalition. Believing that if he could draw Israel into the battle, so they're shooting scuds toward Israel. He concluded that if he could draw Israel into the battle with his Arab brothers, that they would not fight another Arab brother alongside of their arch enemy, Israel. So he launched these scud attacks. But do you remember what America and the coalition did in response? Because that's when the, that's when the heroes of the war showed up. And we started to launch. Do you remember what they were called? Patriot missiles. Remember those? They were electronically released from silos and they met, come on, they met the scuds, if you will, up in the heavenly places and we lit them up like the 4th of July. And the coalition won and the war only lasted just a matter of days. Church, we are in a war today. And Satan is coming at the church and coming at me and maybe coming at you if you are going to take a stand against racism. And he's coming at us. But we need to remember that God is on our side. And I don't know if I've ever told you this before, but you and God, you always make a majority. God is on our side. And you see new hope. This war that we are living in today manifests itself most predominantly in the United States of America through racism. And let me break it down for you a little early today. If you know Jesus Christ and you take a stand with me today against racism as a result of this series, I just need to let you know that the enemy will come at you. Spiritual warfare will raise its ugly head. But I want to make sure you understand that if you are in Christ and Christ is in you, the enemy does not have a chance to win this war against us. We will light him up, kick him in the teeth, and tell him to get thee behind me. Now, we may all come here today and at all of our campus locations on difficult terrain. And we might come here today, and if you just stop and think about it, listen, we all come to America on different ships. But we're all in the same boat now. And that boat lives 
and, and, and moves, if you will, amidst a very hostile environment where the enemy wants to take us out and calls us to join with the rest of the world in hating people who are different than us. But make no mistake about it. God is doing a special work here in this church. If you go, if you go to that text that I mentioned earlier, Joshua 5, and you see where he has that conversation with the captain of the Lord's army. When he's done with that, the Bible tells Joshua, take off your sandals. Because you're standing where? See, church, I hope, I hope you've got a sense of the fact that we are standing on holy ground as a church. God has called us to this place. He has called us to this position. We are destined, if you will, for such a time as this to say to the world that this right here, if you just look around, this can happen. We will win the battle. And I want to let you know, because sometimes we start shifting into politics when I talk about race, we will not win this battle based upon our political affiliation. I told you during the presidential election, Listen, our God doesn't ride on the back of donkeys and elephants. Hello. Listen, I told you back then, and I'll say it again. Our hope, our help will not come to us on Air Force One. It comes in the form of a crucified and resurrected King of Kings, the one who will bring victory to God's people. This is God's agenda. And as I get ready to just step out for a few months and we wrap up this series, I want to say it to you just as plainly as I know how. I want to make sure I'm being very, very clear. I don't want to leave any room for ambiguity. Racism is a sin that grieves the heart of God. She said, say it again. So I'm going to say it again. <laughs> Racism is a sin. And when we find ourselves in sin... We have to be able to do more than just clap about our acknowledgement of it. We have to do more than just be excited and thrilled that we're worshiping in a diverse, multi-ethnic church. We actually need to be honest with ourselves and confess the fact that every single person in here and every single person at any of our campuses have struggled at one point in time with this sin. This is not just a white thing. And we've owned our, I've owned our stuff. But this is the fact that the, the racism has now splintered out. And Gracie, you did such a good job with this last week. The racism has now splintered out. And it is among all ethnicities. Which means it's in the water we drink. Which means that every single person here today, if I had a goal or a vision for today, here it is, that we would see the largest mass repentance that we've ever seen in the life of this church. I'm talking mass repentance. You know what the word repentance is? Repentance means I not only say that I'm wrong, I ask God to forgive me, but then I turn from my sinful proclivities and I move toward God and I say no more. 
today as they come on. A lady said to me just, just a few weeks ago, she, she said, I don't like the fact that all these, all these different people are coming to our church. And, and, and because, because I thought I knew where she was going, but I didn't want to jump the gun, right? I was trying to be pastoral. So, so I said, I said, isn't it great that they're all coming? That's awesome. And then she, she showed her hand. I knew she was going where I thought she was originally going. She goes, well, I don't like it. I'm leaving. And church, 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 church. I, I dug deep. And I, with all the pastoral empathy within me, I gave her one word. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> I'm, kinda, I'm, seeing that, I'm seeing that bitmoji on the phone. Bye-bye. Bubba, have y'all seen that? Bubba, I should have had that one up here now. Some of you are like, what is he talking about? Don't worry about it. <laughs> and if I can just say to, to the pastors out there today, if you're watching this from anywhere on the planet, you need to understand that when there's mist in the pulpit, there's always fog in the pews. And this is a situation where the church has not called sin a sin. And if you are a leader, you need to straighten your spine, grab the word of God, and preach to your people that racism is a sin because they will follow your leadership. And it is on you to declare, thus saith the Lord. So when you think about baptism and you think about what Christ has done for us, again, I'm hoping some of you will decide in this moment, I'm going in. I'm going in. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, for if anyone is in Christ, the old is gone and the new has come. There's really only one color that matters in the church of Jesus Christ. And it's not white. And it's not black. It's not brown. The only color that really matters in the church of Jesus Christ is red. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood, the blood that welcomes every single person regardless of anything into the waters of baptism and makes us one on display for the world to see that what we are talking about really is possible. I'm going to give you one biblical illustration, and then I'm going to go ahead and wrap up today. Write these two passages down. We're not going to read them all now. We can't, but you can read them later. Acts chapter 10 and Galatians chapter 2. Acts chapter what? And Galatians chapter 2. Just so you know, I haven't cut myself. Some of you are going to be looking at that for the rest of the message. I got some food coloring up on my hands. May it be a reminder of the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. But Acts chapter 10 and Galatians chapter 2, I want to tell you about a passage where some of you might know it, but Peter, Peter was the leader of the church. 
Peter was the one, whenever you study church history, whenever you, you read it in the scripture, Peter is always listed first because Peter was the leader. Peter was a staunch Jew. He had a very significant problem with this when you get to Acts chapter 10 and Galatians chapter 2. This was a problem of diversity. It was a problem of difference. The problem of unity. Peter was proud of his Jewishness. And one day he's in Acts chapter 10 and he's on the roof. And God gives him a vision in Acts chapter 10 where a sheet from heaven drops down with all kinds of food on the sheet. It's a vision. And it's the food from the Gentiles, if you will. And Peter hears a voice to get up and eat. And Peter says, no, I'm a Jew. I'm not going to eat that Gentile food. And the word of the Lord says this, don't you dare call anything unclean that God has called clean. Again, I'm taking all ambiguity out of the room today. If you in any kind of way ever have looked down upon someone of a different skin color and you've judged them due to their skin, you are calling that which God called clean, you are calling it unclean. And you are living in sin. Take the story to Galatians 2. You might recall that Peter then goes down to Cornelius' house in Acts chapter 10. And Peter starts to hear the voice of God. And he starts to, how shall we put it? He starts to mingle with the Gentile people. Once he goes to Cornelius' house, he realizes that the Gentiles are enjoying some good food. Hello. That he had no idea what it tastes like. I don't know why I'm from South Carolina. I got to tell you, it helps me to think about this in terms of soul food. Yeah, I think, I think, I think Peter got invited down to the soul shack, if you know what I mean. Where they were enjoying some soul food if you know what I mean. And some of you northerners are like, what's soul food? I, somebody said collard greens. Glory to God. Hallelujah. <laughs> A sister over here is raising her hand. She's about to speak in tongues over collard greens. <laughs> huh? Huh? I don't know. You, you, might, you might look at it in terms of some fat back and pork chops and black eyed peas. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Some of you might look at it in terms of chitlins. Mmm. I don't want to call anything unclean. But I'm from the deep south, but I don't eat any chitlins. I'm just saying. Just saying. Preach. So, so Peter gets invited to, to the soul shack to have some fat back and pork chops and maybe some grits. I don't know. And the Bible says, again, you got to go read these stories. It's really fascinating. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 2 that some brothers from James' community comes over and confronts Peter. They start to castigate him, if you will. They start to rip him up and down and tear him apart and say, Peter, how dare you eat that soul food? You know that we only live and abide by strict Jewish guidelines. And Peter, in that very moment, 
he caves into the peer pressure. And some of you are going to be tempted to cave in to the peer pressure. Don't you be a hypocrite. Don't you come and embrace one way of living here at church and you go back to your home place and you sell out and be a hypocrite and embrace another way. And Peter, Peter sells out. He caves in to the pressure. And Galatians 2.12 says this to us. For prior to the coming of certain men from James, he used to eat some collard greens, fat back, and pork chop, and fried chicken, glory to God. We got hot dogs today? Y'all should have fried some chicken. No, just kidding. Just kidding. I'm bad. I'm bad. I'm going to eat me some hot dogs. But when they came, he began to withdraw and hold himself, what's that word? Aloof. Aloof. Fearing the party of the circumcision. See what he's doing? He's being a hypocrite. You know what the word hypocrite means? It basically means two-faced. It's just wearing a mask. He's putting on one mask here. He's taking it off there. That will wear you out. And so in Galatians 2, again, we find him dining with the Gentiles. He's called on the rug. He caves in. But here's what I love. The apostle Paul. Love the apostle Paul. Bold. Prophetic. Paul comes to the scene. And in Galatians 2.13, this is what it says. And then we're going to get to Paul's response. The other Jews joined him in his what? In his hypocrisy. Even Barnabas was led astray. And Peter caves. And Paul shows up. And look at what Galatians 2, 11 and 12 says. When Cephas came to Antioch, this is Paul. Paul says, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat the soul food up in the soul shack. But when they arrived, he began to, what? Draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. You see, church, as Christians, as pastors, we have failed to treat this issue seriously. We have failed to call it sin. And as I said on week one, we don't have a skin problem in this country. We have a sin problem. And when there is sin, there must always follow repentance. Or you remain dead in your sin. And like the Apostle Paul, we need to call sin Sin. We need to be bold about it. We need to be prophetic about it. And we need to walk out of this church today, not just thankful that we go to a church like this, but we need to walk out of here today. And where we live and where we move and where we have our being, we need to learn to be prophetic and call sin, sin. And I'm inviting you, I am challenging you today to go with me into this world and live out 
what God is calling us to do and be as a church because we are on holy ground and this is what God has called us to show the world that Christ is king and that he can break down all hostilities in the world between ethnicities. Amen. Now don't misunderstand me. I'm not calling us to, I don't know, how shall I put it? I'm not calling us to amalgamate. I'm not calling us to, to act as if we're not different. I said this in one of the services last week, but I can't remember exactly which one I said it in, so I need to just go and say it here today. Whatever you do, don't misinterpret me. I'm not calling you to walk out of here and go, ho, ho, we're just all going to be colorblind. Oh, no, 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 no. No, no, no. We don't, we don't say we're colorblind. The call of the gospel is not to act as if we could ever really be colorblind, right? The call of the gospel is to actually humble ourselves, confess our sin, repent of our pride, and actually come to believe deep in the core of our being that you're beautiful in and of the color that God created you. You're beautiful in all of your brownness. You're beautiful in all of your blackness. I'm beautiful, if I might say so myself, in all of my whiteness. Right, right, right. It's the only, that's the only time I'll ever refer to myself as beautiful. But, but you get my point. Listen to me. Black is only beautiful. It is only beautiful when blackness is derived in the Bible and the beauty of who God has made you to be. White is only right when it's surrendered to the scriptures. Black, white, brown, we're all in this together in every single color is beautiful and created by Almighty God. Amen. That's one thing I wanted to correct on my way out. Can I correct one more thing and then show you a video and we wrap this thing up? Somebody said to me last week, they said, um... <clears throat> Pastor, we just think it's so awesome that, that you're calling black Christians and white Christians and brown Christians to live together in peace and love. Sounds good on the surface, does it not? But if, if I can talk to you a little bit about what I'm trying to teach you, I'm trying to teach you a biblical worldview, I'm trying to get you to start thinking about things a little differently. And to do that, I need to, I need to refresh your memory of Maybe an English course or two that you took in high school or college. Do you remember that? Some college students are here and they're like, yeah, we're suffering through it right now. <laughs> hey, pay close attention. But listen to me here for a moment. The job of the adjective, of course, is to modify the noun. So if Christian is the noun, if Christian is in the noun position and black or white or brown is in the adjective position... You must always adjust the noun to be submissive, if you will, to what the adjective describes it to be. Stick with me. I'm not going to go too much further, but just stick with me. Christianity must always be in the adjective position. If you are a Christian, you don't need an adjective. Christianity must always be in the adjective position. Your race, or we can widen it a little bit, your race... Your class, your culture, 
must always be in the noun position. Stick with me. So that if anything changes, come on, it's the noun of your humanity and not the Christianity of your faith. Am I talking to anybody up in here today? I'm not a white Christian. Here, here's another one. Here's another one. We're American Christians. What, what, what is that? No, you're not. If you've been baptized into Christ, you are a Christian. Christian doesn't need an adjective. Christian stands on its own. Christian is the priority, and therefore, when I see myself as a Christian, it impacts everything else rather than everything else impacting my Christianity. Come on. So I'm calling you today. I'm calling you out. I'm challenging you to join me in this calling. I'm challenging you to stop putting people in boxes. We do that, man. It's just how we were raised. And I said the first week, racism is hereditary, man. It's, it's, it's taught, right? And we, we tend to pigeonhole people with labels and boxes, and I'm calling you out today to say enough is enough. No longer will I live in that sinful reality. I'm going to let God transform me, change me, make me a new creation. Our productions team created a video, one of the best we've ever done, literally. And it's made up of New Hope people. So you're about to see a video of New Hopers. Watch this and let this minister deep to you and, and deep to us as we wrap this series up. Check it out. It's so easy to place people in boxes, drawing lines, creating sides. There's us, and there's them. Those we feel comfortable around, and those we don't. There are those of us with many chapters and those just starting their own stories. There's the well-to-do and those doing what they can. There are those we share something with and those we don't seem to share anything with. Welcome and thank you for coming today, guys. Today I'm gonna to be conducting an experiment uh, where I'll ask you a series of questions. Now these questions will be very personal questions. And for us to get a true result, I need you to be completely honest with how you respond. The first question I have is who in here was the class clown? Who is never on time? us, we who have tattoos. We who feel lonely. 
we who have been bullied. We who have bullied others. We who are madly in love. And there's the lucky ones whose team won the championship this year. created in the image of God. And as one body, we stand together, united as one under His grace. I'm going to just assume that you're clapping for two reasons. One is our productions team, again, is just unbelievable. And those of you, those of you who participated in that, thank you. But I'm going to assume also that you're clapping because God has done a great work in your soul in this series. And that you are going to put your own line in the sand, if you will. And you're going to walk out of here today as a result of this three-part series, which, which, by the way, we have them available in the Resource Center if you want to send them to somebody. And you're going to do your part to stand up for America's original sin, to stand against the way in which Satan continues to use this, to steal, kill, and destroy the people of God. I'm going to invite you to, to play the man, if you will, dude. Hey, talk to the brothers for a moment. To lead in your family. To say, I'm going I'm to lead the way here. 
We're not going to be a part of the generational curse that has fallen upon our family for centuries. I know what that's like. Are you going to say, dear woman, I'm going to be the woman. I'm going to be the woman of God in my home. The woman of God in my workplace. The woman of God in my neighborhood. And I'm going to intentionally reach across these racial divides. And I'm going to be a person of racial reconciliation. Hey, I'm using that language, play the man intentionally, play the woman. I'm using that intentionally because it comes from one of my favorite stories in church history. Let me tell you, I'll tell it to you. It's a real short story. One of my favorite early saints in the second century was a saint by the name of Polycarp. Polycarp was the bishop of Smyrna. A little side note, Polycarp was a disciple of John who wrote the Gospel of John in 1st, 2nd, 3rd John in the book of Revelation. Polycarp was a direct disciple of John. Well, in the 2nd and 3rd century, Rome was out to kill and slaughter Christians. And they had this way of bringing you before the Roman proconsul, and they would ask you to disown Christ. And if you did, they, they would let you go free. But if you did not denounce Christ, they would kill you. Sometimes they would crucify you. Sometimes they would burn you on the stake. Polycarp is led in before the Roman proconsul. And as he's making his way in, he hears a voice. He says it's the voice of the Holy Spirit. Now, what's interesting about this is eyewitnesses around that occasion that day, they declared to hear the very same thing. This is recorded in historians, Josephus, other historians that were living and breathing at that time. They declared to hear the very same voice. And here is what Polycarp said that he heard in that moment. Be strong, Polycarp. And play the man. Grow up. Be a man. Polycarp comes before the Roman leaders that day. And sure enough, they said, reproach Christ or you die today. That day they happened to be burning Christians on the stake. And Polycarp. Squared his shoulders. This is why he's one of my favorite early saints in church history. He squared his shoulders. He looked at them in the eyes and he said, 86 years. He's an old man by now. 86 years I have served him. And he has done me no wrong. How can I blaspheme my king and my savior? And they torched him on the stake, burnt him alive until he died. And again, the onlookers that day, the eyewitnesses said that day that the aroma of polycarp burning on the stake was a beautiful aroma to Christ. 
I'm asking you to play the man. I'm asking you to stand up, grow up, and take a stand with me against this seed of racism that has been destroying our country from day one. Polycarp played the man. How about you? How about you? Will you rise up and play the man today? As we wrap up, as we wrap up, I want to end this series as we started it three weeks ago. I want to invite us in just a moment to stand up. To stand up and, well, okay, you can go ahead and stand up now. <laughs> You're amazing. Let's do it, Pastor. Let's go. And I said on week one, I said, you know, I'm not, I'm not typically the kind of, you know, real hand-holding kind of kumbaya kind of guy. It's just, it's just not me. Um, but there's a time and a place for it. And I want to ask you to just reach out, if you will, and hold the hand of the person beside you. And if you're thinking, oh, germs, <laughs> you need Jesus. <laughs> it's May, bro. It's May. You ain't got to worry about a cold. It's all good. And God's bigger than your cold or your immune system. And I want us to pray right now, and then I want us to declare a creed together, the same one we did in week one, because what we believe matters, church. I've tried to give you a very theologically based, biblically based exposition of scripture on how to handle this issue. I want us to pray, and I want us to repent. Like, I'm talking about mass repentance. And then I want us to declare what we believe. And then I want us to go out there and eat some soul food. Hot dogs. Hey, hot dogs are good, man. We, we didn't buy cheap hot dogs. Baked beans. Glory to God. I hope there's some pork up in those beans. Potato salad. We're going to celebrate baptism. And some of you are here today and you need to get baptized. You didn't even know you were going to get baptized. But you need to get baptized because you sense it right now. You say, I don't have any clothes. We got your shirts. We got your shorts. We got your towel. You have no excuse. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes and pray together. Father, I thank you. Thank you for this beautiful church. I am so humbled to serve a community that lives this out. We're not claiming to be perfect, God, and as I've already said, we all have tendencies and habits and biases that maybe we still struggle with and we've all struggled with this stuff at one point in time or another so father we just want to say to you today we're thankful for what you've done in this church we thank you for what you're doing in this church and God the truth is we're sorry we've been racist before we've had racial tendencies before we've had bad thoughts about people simply due to the color of their skin 
And we want to confess that to you today, God. And we want to repent of it today. So I'm going to invite you, if you're aware of your fallenness, if you are aware of your tendencies today, I want to invite you to say a prayer with me. First service, I just had them do it silently. I'm done with that. I want to invite you to go public. I want to invite you to pray out loud with me a simple prayer. Just repeat after me, Lord Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me when I've looked upon people and I've judged them and I've put them in boxes all because of the color of their skin. Forgive me. I plead the blood of Jesus. I will follow you from this day forward. And when I fall short of your glory, cause me to confess again, repent again, and be your church. We love you today. We honor you. We celebrate baptism. We thank you for this series. We give you our lives. Use New Hope Church. To be agents of reconciliation. To the glory and honor. Praise and worship. Of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what we believe. We pray it in his name. Amen. Keep holding hands. Let's declare our faith and our belief together. It's called the Nicene Creed. Ready? Go. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. You sound good, but take it to a whole nother level. Through him, all things were made for us and for our salvation. He came down from heaven by the power of the Holy Spirit. He became incarnate by the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. You sound good now. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, He is worshiped and glorified. He is spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen, amen, and amen. Praise His holy 
name. Thanks for being a part of this week's podcast. If you have any prayer requests or praises, we'd love to hear from you. Just email our pastors and staff at prayers at newhopenc.org, and we would love to pray for you. If you'd like to support the ministries of New Hope, just stop by one of our campuses or visit us online at newhopechurch.org. We hope you'll join us next week for the podcast, and thanks for being a part of our church family.